Welcome to Leaders Riff with Jamie McLean podcast, Impact, Influence, Lead. This is the podcast for all you leaders out there who want more meaningful conversation. And I'm your host, Jamie McLean. On this show, I invite thought leaders and rising stars to riff on hot topics. And every episode, I pose the question, how do we get to equal female representation on Fortune 500 boards? Ready? Grab your coffee, I've got mine, and let's dive right in with Yesenia Gomez, clinical researcher at Walter Reed to riff about mental health amidst uncertainty, habit stacking, yoga and meditation, inclusive capitalism, and keeping women in the workforce. Many great takeaways this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Leaders Riff with Jamie McLean, and today I have Yesenia Gomez, rising star, She works at Walter Reed as a clinical researcher, and she's traveled the world. And one amazing thing I found is she studied in Australia to get her master's in public health. She's also performed research at John Hopkins and has worked at the Henry M. Jackson Foundation for the Advancement of Military Medicine, so really helping the country out. And she helps with amputee osseo integration. And if you don't know what that is, that I did look that up. <laughs> that is helping amputees live a better life with limbs. And so, uh, Yesenia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction as well. Tell us a little bit about you and your work. Yes. So, like you said, I think that is the most interesting thing um, that I've done was just traveling around. Um, currently, my work deals with osseointegration. So it is the attachment of a prosthetic device to the actual skeletal skeletal system. Um, it's just been so rewarding being able to help um, amputees, all of them veterans, be able to start walking again. Um, now we're in the realm of seeing how prosthetics are going to advance to deal with what they're able to sense with um, with the whole OI system. Um, yeah, that's really rewarding for me. And I've I've worked with the military before and I, I that's my way of giving back to the country. Um, and it makes me very proud and excited to be doing this. This work you're doing not only gives everyone mobility, more mobility, but it also makes them feel better about themselves. We actually have a lot of questionnaires that we give to them. And one of them does talk about how they feel with their prosthetic on. How do they feel? about themselves. Mm -hmm. These are guys and girls that went overseas for the country. So it's like, it, it really just gives me a lot of hope and a lot of joy being able to not only help them get mobile again, but help them emotionally, mentally, and spiritually to feel better. That's amazing work you do, Yesenia. Thank you. (laughs) Well-being is what we're going to discuss today. You're a millennial. I really wanted your take on what's going on for you as you see it in the world. I did my master's in international public health. And that was one of the fields that I wanted to focus on was just mental health in general, not only in this country, but overall in the the world. So to me, what I'm seeing now, just with what's happening with the pandemic is a lot of people are suffering when it comes to mental health. Right now, we're in a mental health crisis. I feel like there's a lot of crises going on. <laughs> They're layered in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like one right <laughs> after the other. But 
the mental health crisis is something that now I feel is more in the forefront because we are teleworking, because we are um, dealing with a pandemic, because we had this year, not only a pandemic, a lot of tragedy throughout. Um, we had an election on top of that. It's just, it's like anxiety and stress just building on top of each other. So it's like, for me, at least, what helps me is the fact that I like to have a routine. And I know once I I switched from, well, once we all shut down, uh, I just maintain my routine. I wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I would get to work. I would be done in the middle of the day, like around one or two. Exercise. I would eat well. I would. I just maintain that. And that really helped me while a lot of people were not keeping their routines yes. and just suffering. Which brings me to another question. So I don't know if you've heard about the gender gap, a little bit of a gender gap crisis that the gains that we've made in the last you know six years, that we may drop back even 10 years in gains because of the pandemic. And what, what do you know about that? So I know I have seen um, like WHO, the UN, all these big organizations talking about it now, about how we're in dire times right now. Everything we progressed in, even um, the all the work that the WHO and very small nonprofits and NGOs did to, to kind of like bridge that gap or help out not only here but internationally is being eroded. Mm-hmm. We're talking about three years of people not moving around, three years of not having access to, to things, three like years what? of even um, just having access to health. You, you, you know, you could see that here. Um, a lot of people lost their health insurance. And how's that impacting them? Saying women in the workforce, right? And now they have lost their health insurance. So then what happens? What are you seeing? So what I'm seeing is just a lot of suffering. I think that like, just sums it up. Um, a lot of suffering that women are taking the brunt of. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, you know, if you think of uh, a single woman that has kids, like a single mother, she's the only breadwinner in that family. And if she loses her job, whether it be, you know, with an airline company or with a big firm, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to those kids? Um, and with unemployment the way it is right now, it's not look, it's looking dire. Um, it's looking like a dire Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up just because there isn't help out there. And there isn't with the kids it's like, or economically. Yeah, just, just economically, there isn't help um, economically, which then trickles down to the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are, a lot of companies are now thinking, what do we have to do to survive? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that could be shutting down, furloughing, um, you know, employees, just firing employees. All of this injection that was done previously with encouraging women to be in the workforce, encouraging women to start their own business, all this encouragement is is still there, but it's harder to back up if there isn't the economic help necessary for these small companies, small businesses to really just survive the pandemic. I mean, we just talked about how it's going to be one to three years, and we're talking, Absolutely. this started in March. So, you know, since March, we shut down, then it's just been down, down, down with the economy when it comes to just like the amount of people that lose their jobs. 
if you had savings, this makes you rethink savings in general. Before I was like, oh, have six mm-hmm. months of savings and you'll be fine. It's like, no, now you have to think one year, two year, three mm-hmm. years worth of savings. Have some security, <laughs> like, as much as you can, yeah. it sounds like. Yesenia, how do you see uh, creating a feeling of security besides money? Because it is a, a, a piece of that I, I think you pointed to when you said have a routine, right? That gives a sense of security. Uh, you know, beginning beginning to build the savings, a sense of security. What other what other ways do you see as a mental health expert that uh, people could get a sense of security um, in uncertain times? I think just also like fortifying those good connections that you have with people, mm-hmm. whether it be with friends, very close friends, and just just having someone to to have your back, having someone to listen to you when you're you need help. Just having someone there, I think that really helps with giving you a sense of security because you'll you know you'll have someone there to help you, mm-hmm. um, and that's necessary during these tough times. Like whether it be you know you have counselor or therapist, just c- close friends, um, family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that helps with not only like the the financial part, um, that helps with the emotional and mental part. Absolutely. So just knowing who's in your corner, really, and fortifying those relationships. Yeah, I get that. You know, even just dialoguing about this reminds me how important it's been. And for me, I have a, I started a yoga community. So uh, every morning, well, four days a week, we get together and start the day with yoga. And it's become a place of refuge, like a place to be, start the day off calm and mentally alert and feeling uh, centered. And I find I'm so much more productive after I do that yoga. Uh, and, and that's my, and that's my community. And I know they have my back. And afterwards we chat sometimes for a few minutes and, you know, if anything's going on, we support each other. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think community is something that is essential, just especially now, but just in general, I think a community is essential. I know when I when I went to school overseas, it was it was tough for me because I didn't have my close friends around me. I didn't have my family around me. We were at a completely different time zone. So mm-hmm. it, it was really hard balancing that. So I created my own commu- little community with my friends. There mm-hmm. were a group of friends that I've even to this day I stay very close to. Um and it's because like we we all got to chat, we all got to stay together. We had our routines mm. that we would do together, um, okay. and we would just support each other. Mm-hmm. What kind of routines did you have? So <laughs> there there was this cafe um, as we would always walk to one of our classes, and we would always stop there, and we would get chai lattes. So it's like that was our thing. We just got <laughs> chai lattes and some quiches, and that was the place that we would hang out in yeah. there, and then like another place. Um, like a little more like into the the university itself. So it was like, that was our thing. We would wake up early, study, um, have a lunch together, just like spend time together and talk to each other about what's happening. Having that quality time together, just being in each other's presence. I mean, since the pandemic, I've really discovered the value of being in someone's presence. Yeah. And I think yoga is perfect for that. I it took me a while to get used to actually doing yoga and meditation. Yes. Um, but that really just brings you to the now. 
And it really yeah. just just reminds you, like, there's a billion things that you could be worrying about. There's, you know, stuff from the past that you could be clinging on to. And there's yeah. stuff from the future that you're, like, anxious about. But, like, right now is the only yes. thing you could control. Right now is the enjoy the people you are with. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't even have anything to add to that because as I'm <laughs> listening to you, I am completely in the now present to what you're saying. <laughs> and I'm always seeking to get, get there actually, like right in the now. What do you do throughout the day to stay in the now? So I didn't used to meditate at all. Mm-hmm. I, I was really against it. I'm like, oh, I, I just, I can't quiet my, my, my mind enough to get to that point. Like five minutes felt like eight hours of yes. meditation. Yeah. Um, so it was really, really hard. Um, I took this one course online that was, it was called the science of well-being. Mm. And um, it really dug into, you have to be conscious of what it is that really does help you. Mm. And I exercise, check. Mm. I eat well, check. The last, I sleep eight hours most of the time, most of the days because of my Fitbit. Like I'm, I religiously look at it to make sure I'm getting my eight hours. Yeah. Um, check. So I'm doing all of these things, mm-hmm. but I'm still, um, my mind goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that to me has shifted and changed a great deal of the anxiety and everything that has been coming up this year is meditation. I connected it with working out. I'm religious about working out. I work out a lot. How often? So it was, I, I try to work out every day. Since I work out so much, I decided after my workout, I'll do my meditation. Habit stacking. All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. already exhausted. <laughs> I'm on the floor. So I might as well just meditate while I'm here. Um, and I've started doing that where it's like nine minutes of meditation. And it was really hard in the beginning, but it's become more of a routine. I started seeing the change in me where I wasn't running around in my head about like, Oh my gosh, you know, all of this stuff needs to get done. You know, I'm still thinking about this other stuff. Like I just recenter myself Mm -hmm. with meditation and throughout the day when I do notice like, Oh, these, these little thoughts keep popping Mm -hmm. in. I just, I nip it and I just recenter. Just excellent. Calm down, recenter. (laughs) I actually do corporate wellness talks explaining meditation and showing people how to meditate. The reason the companies do that is because it increases productivity. It increases creativity. People just feel better. They're getting, everything's getting done and teamwork is happening at a higher level. Have you noticed that? There's one other coworker of mine that does the same and I see him churning out work because he's focused. He's focused on what he's doing. He's not, you know, thinking about all these other things. He's focused. And I do notice that even in myself, I'm able to like get through things just by focusing on what, you know, I have a nice to-do list because I'm very OCD about stuff like that. So I have a nice to-do list and I get through them and it's like only 12 o'clock and I'm, I'm, I've almost finished everything because I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm thinking about it. So I, I think it's, I think that's something that companies should really be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation, yoga, all these mm-hmm. practices that help the mental well-being of the, the, employees Mm. benefits you as an employer like for Mm. me one of the things it's I love research so I find out a lot of things online (laughs) um so I I kept putting the seed in my supervisor's head of like you know if if I work you know compressed schedules and I get a Friday off I know I'll, I'll do good with that and once there's like research studies that come out showing that like employees 
benefit from this and employers benefit from this kind of compressed schedule. But, you, you know, I get a three day weekend every other week like that. Just uh, that makes a difference. I'm ready to work on Monday. I'm ready to to put my all into every day because I know there's like this break that I get. There is a study actually, it's done by Lean In, Women in the Workplace. Mm -hmm. So it's actually just going through the gains that we've lost and how we can, you know, keep women in the workplace since a lot of them are leaving because of the Mm -hmm. stress. Here's the thing. You're a millennial. How old are you? I'm 32. 32. So you're 32. You're at the beginning of getting more serious with your career and knowing kind of where you want to go. Would you say, do you have a plan? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, and in that plan is going to require a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't want to put you on the spot and here's the thing. You tell me what you think, what the study found out is that there's a point where women are just thinking it's not worth it. I completely agree with that. I, I think it was too much even before this year came came about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just it's accelerated how many women are leaving the workforce just because I don't I'm single. I don't have kids. Um, the only obligation I have is my parents, really. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine working from home or outside during this year. Mm-hmm. And having to take care of kids, mm-hmm. having to educate them, um, on top of potentially having to deal with parent care, um, like taking care of elderly parents, it's it's a lot, and a lot of that that burden is put on women. Mm-hmm. Just society wise, it's put on women. And you know, I know I have a friend, and I, me and her, like really talk about a lot about a lot about this, um, and it's just you you're burning yourself out. You feel like you're, you have to give more than other people. I know I pushed for every other Friday off or even sometimes every Friday, depending on how At Walter Reed. Heck, yeah. How hectic the week has been for me just because I am burning out. Mm-hmm. I'm burning out. So I think at that point, people start to think what's, what's most important. And, and that's where the dropout is. And what do you see the companies can do as being 32 and looking forward, right? Mm-hmm. I do need to correct something. I'm actually 35. In my head, I'm still 32. <laughs> okay. So everybody have to say, I have the same thing going on with myself. <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on. I actually, this is 2020. So I'm actually 36, which is rough to even say because in my head I'm still my best year was 32 um this is awesome you know I have a number I have a number I say I am and it is not the number I am the minute I I said you're the minute you asked me I was like oh 32 I'm like wait and I don't know if you noticed but I made this face of like wait a minute that doesn't add up I am much much older than that so I'm like oh I'm actually 36 um so so yeah is in her 30s everyone we definitely know she's I'm in that bracket. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's good to hear that I'm not the only one that like has a number in her head because yeah. it's like uh, that was the first time that's ever happened to me. Um, well, let me just, just I- insert there that to make you feel better that Deepak Chopra has a whole game about that, a whole philosophy, and it's really that you take fifty, you can take up to fifteen years off of your age, Asinya, according to Deepak Chopra. 
And then that's your age biologically. And then you'll actually start looking that age and start feeling that age. So, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> you know, you might just be turning 21. I, I, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I like that explanation of like, yes, that's exactly. If I could take 50, I'm good. Um, <laughs> so what do I see? I see? I see what we're seeing now. A lot of people just dropping out. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There is this like you always have to be on because mm-hmm. um, you. I don't. I don't know why. Why this happens? I think it deals with like the imposter syndrome, mm. um, where you feel like you always have to work harder. You. You. You just your standards for yourself are ten times higher than what would be everyone else's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've seen that in my in my group of friends where mm-hmm. it's you know we. I think the difference with me is there was this point when I worked at Hopkins that I would get messages throughout the night, three, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And I felt this urge to have to respond right now. I have to respond right now. And it it put me to a point where I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people are getting to. I can't keep doing this of mm-hmm. always being on and it's going to lead to women leaving the workforce. It's going to lead to uh, minorities leaving the workforce. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead to um, people that live with disabilities leaving the work- workforce. I think organizations need to have a shift of what is their priority. Their priority should be the employee, should mm-hmm. be making sure that they're doing okay, especially during this tough time. Because if they're okay and they're happy, oh my gosh, they'll go to war for you. Mm. they will stay they will be okay if you need to make cuts they will be okay if you need um you know do tough make tough choices really encouraging them to take time off if needed instituting policies that help mothers and parents and that's great because that is what needs to happen in order to keep people from quitting their jobs mm-hmm. and have less people in the workforce and just to like help their employees make it through there's plenty of studies showing out there that if if workers feel you know if they feel like they make a difference and they feel that they are valued they will do a lot for you they will be there for you and they will work a great deal so you really know your stuff yesenia (laughs) so um for everybody listening in here is the women in the workplace study by mckinsey and company that put was put out and sponsored by lean in so yesenia you are pointing out number of solutions that are in this study there's a new movement called inclusive capitalism we're balancing economics finances and the social aspect then now the social aspect from what I've looked into is just as an emerging piece. So from where you stand, what, where do you think inclusive capitalism should go so that the companies are making the money, the people, though the employees are able to have work-life integration and still, you know, get the job done and get promoted. What are your thoughts on inclusive capitalism? So I actually like to look, look this up um, and the entire concept and it it fits so well with my way of being. I think that's the best way of, of thinking about it. The best way to do this is to do it by just injecting into the society itself. When, when you have upward movement 
from the bottom up, that benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. That benefits even the company themselves because then these people have more money. Mm-hmm. They have the money, then they could, you know, buy products, do more. You have That's to interesting. Yes. make the roads, make the railroads, make all of these infrastructure um, investments because then that helps the class that helps everyone move up. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at it internationally, that's exactly what needs to be done. And that's what like public health tries to do. When you look at um, the UN and what their goal is by 20, 2030, it's no poverty, which is a huge goal to have. Um, but that's the goal because once you have people that are not in under that poverty line and are able to take care of their kids, have access to medicine, um, you know, start, you know, have women go and, you know, have girls go to school because they can pay for them to go to school. Like all of these little things help. And the one way to help it is injecting and encouraging these people to like have money. So I think there just needs to be, like I said, a shift in the way we think about things of if we help each other, it benefits everyone. Not only the people at the top, which will still stay at the top because, you know, I'm, you know, they're not going to lose any money. It's going to benefit everyone. Um, And I think that needs to be shifting. And I see it shifting. I see a lot of millennials actually like think about where they put their money. People are going to start putting money towards companies that actually make them feel good when they, they give some money to. I'm doing Misfit Market. So they have this box of like, ugly fruits and vegetables okay. yeah misfit market um and you know like why did I choose them because of what the good that they do you know that helping out is really tapping into the millennial um consciousness of mm-hmm. wanting to help wanting everyone to be equal wanting to really give back mm-hmm. which is a, it's it's what like my generation in many ways these are just one, so one word answers or one sentence. Okay. So you ready? First of all, what's your favorite word? Hope. Most important piece to wellness. Mindfulness. How to make a divided country come together. Listen to each other. Favorite current podcast. Um, I think it's called science. Okay. Well, you are in the STEMs you graduated from STEM. So congrats for that. (laughs) All right. What would you tell your 18 year old self? It will be okay. And what would you tell 18 year old women today? Like your niece? Push, push hard. Despite everything we just said, push hard. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And I have one more question. One next step to achieving equal female representation on Fortune 500 boards. Policy changes. What should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask? What do you see for next year? What do you see for next year, Yesenia? I see see the light at the end of this tunnel. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. That's, That's hope, your favorite word right there. Yeah. Well... Hesenia, thank you for joining me today. It's been a lovely riff. Would you join us again and let it and keep us posted down the road? I would love to. I would love to. Wonderful. This was fun. This was so much fun. I had a great time with you too. Thank you for joining our riff today. Take what you've discovered and go create a world that works for everyone. Impact, influence, lead. 
For help with your mindset and mental health, head over to my virtual wellness page at ambitiousimage.com and look out for my upcoming wellness book in 2021. That was a shameless plug. You're going to love it. And I have created the wellness book just for you. Is there someone you want me to riff with? Let me know. Until next time, this is Leaders Riff with Jamie McLean. Remember, impact, influence, lead.